Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 272 for Monday, November 20th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as the invincible pixel riffs on the internet. Hello, sir. Hello. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be invincible. I'm not sure I can quite live up to that. But we have been talking about uh, superheroes, monsters, and mustaches, and whether we can pull those off in the render distance. That's the extended version of the podcast. You get a little bit of pre and post show every week if you sign up to support us on Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks, and you'll get the render distance once you are a paid member over there. We have a couple of upcoming patron events as well. Today is our Chunk Mail Dispenser, which was a reward our patrons unlocked a while ago, where we take a focus on community emails for an entire episode every month. And the monthly Minecraft Hangout with our patrons is coming up on Saturday, November 25th. That's at 10am Atlantic time for Joel and British time for me uh, at 2pm. So we're just going to be going through what everyone has been up to in Minecraft in our Discord uh, and just chatting about the trends that we see emerging from our community of patrons. That's the monthly Minecraft Hangout, November 25th, and an announcement will go in the Discord with a timestamp that will hopefully auto-adjust for your time zone. What have you been up to in Minecraft this week, my friend? I have been collector mopping a little bit. I have uh, introduced concrete and glazed terracotta to the survival guide series. I hadn't really talked about either of those blocks before, and now I feel like I need to start introducing them in order to build a little bit more with them. So figured I would just go the whole hog, get all of the different colors of glazed terracotta and concrete laid out so that people could see them all. And that got me on a bit of a kick for doing that with other types of stuff. And I realized that I hadn't got all of the armor trims that were added in Minecraft 1.20 yet. So I went around and found the four or five I still needed to get. Weirdly enough, I hadn't been to a jungle temple yet. That had just sort of fallen off my radar entirely when I was exploring desert temples and ocean monuments and other bits and pieces like that. So thankfully now I have a light I could just fly directly to one, found the wild armor trim in there, and I also needed to get the snout armor trim, which took about two or three piglin bastions to search for, the spire armor trim, which once again took a few end cities that I hadn't raided already, and finally I found the silence armor trim in my fourth ancient city raid. So after that I found, uh, uh, I had a whole bunch of these that needed duplicating, four or five times so that I could put them all on armor of all of the different iron armor pieces to sh to show what silence looks like on a helmet, a chest plate, some leggings, and some boots. So I now don't have any diamonds anymore, is the, uh, the kind of punchline to this story. I spent about five stacks of diamonds duplicating oh all of the templates enough so that I could create a display of every armor trim on iron armor and of course i just chose appropriate colors for each one so the one that i got from the end is trimmed in amethyst because it's purple i figured the silence and ward armor trims from the ancient city were best trimmed in diamond because those were uh, you know cyan is everywhere in the deep dark and a bit of gold for like the vex armor trim which is the woodland mansion one that makes you look like an evoker so yeah i, I kind of chose a few different materials for that um, but there's 16 armor trims in the game, so there's a, there's a lot of them, and I had to make sure I ended up with at least five of the templates so that I could save one in order to duplicate it in future and not use up my last one. So I was duplicating each one of those four times, and 
that in itself took me a while. <laughs> I ended up doing most of it sort of off camera and then assembling this armor display for the start of the next episode. But yeah, that was that was a slog, but it was a fun one. And I like the fact that you get an advancement at the end of it for trimming all of the rarer armor trims onto different pieces of armor. You don't need to do it four times for the advancement. You just need to do it once each. But yeah, it was a, uh, a fun little collectathon over the last little while for me. That's really cool. And I guess the disadvantage of being in a single player world, I have a number of armor trims that were delivered to me because yeah, I right. found, I think I might've gone and found one on my own, like just when they came out, but uh, server mates end up with doubles or triples and they just distribute them saying like, well, we know we can, we can craft more of these. If you have one, then you can duplicate it. But if you don't have this one, then I'll save you the trouble of going out and finding it. So I have, uh, I want to say about four different kinds, maybe more in Westel. And I just, I haven't done anything with them. And I, I think part of that is, is that I haven't done anything where I'm going to be decorating with armor trim as of yet, I do think that, that they would look good in like maybe my main hall in my keep, you know, having some armor stands with armor on them. That could be kind of neat. Um, but I, I just, I haven't got quite to that level of detail in the keep yet. And I don't like, I just wear a, such a mishmash of stuff functionally to fly around and do stuff on the server. I haven't bothered to apply anything to my helmet or anything like that. Yeah. I, I have the coast armor trim on both my helmet and my boots simply because it was the first one I found in the series and I wanted to introduce the concept of armor trim as soon as I ran into one. Um, but I didn't want to just put everything on like as soon as I found it. So in the end, I, I sort of saved my leggings and chest plate. And now I have elytra, so I don't really wear a chest plate all that often. But I, I'm using um, that website mindtrim.com to kind of arrange a few different armor trims and try and figure out what I want to have as like the iconic look for the series. And the cool thing is once you've trimmed it with one design, you can change the trim again. Like you don't need to completely remake your netherite boots or whatever just so oh. you can put a new set of armor trim on them. You can just That's change it cool. whenever you want, yeah. Um, so you can overwrite the previous trim very easily. And yeah, I, I like that aspect of it. It's cool having them all lined up. And the fun part was with there being 16 of them, my storage system is 16 chests long on each row of the auto-sorted storage. And so I've done that down effectively one side of the entrance to my storage system. And now I'm thinking, well, there's seven more sides that now look very empty. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to gonna overall go, go with it and end up doing the same thing and spending another five stacks of diamonds per remaining side to get them all done on every, you know, every style of armor and then maybe do a few that mix and match or whatever. But... I feel like if I if I want to move these armor stands somewhere else and use them, like you said, for decoration for a castle build or something like that, it makes sense. And ultimately, having the option in a single-player world to do whatever I want with them because they're not going to be in demand from other players, you could use those as, like, the thematic guards uniform for one side versus the other side if you were doing this pair of warring kingdoms as a build or something like that. So... I find that a lot of people overlook armor trims and say, well, what's the point of them? They don't add anything functional. All they are is cosmetic. And it's like, yeah, but these cosmetic ideas can lead to gameplay inspiration of your own if you take the time to do that. And if you don't have enough gameplay inspiration to go around that's prompting you to start this next project. So I'm thinking having some of these around and being able to use them for decoration is actually uh, more of a good thing for inspiration than it is a, a roadblock. 
I haven't gone looking for anything like this, but I know that you used to do a bunch of really interesting things with armor stands and leather helmets uh, in micro builds, like books stacked on bookshelves, like those kind of things. Yeah. And I'm wondering with the patterns that you can now put on armor, we've seen a number of people in our community build like um, steampunk and cyberpunk type things. And that redstone line looks really bright. And if you put that on a gold armor set, it, depending on what pattern you chose if you hid the armor stand or part of the armor that's being displayed behind blocks or visible through cracks like you might be able to use armor as detail in a minecraft build where it's not really being shown as armor you're just kind of capturing the color contrast and the texture that you just can't get on blocks in the game but you can get on armor it could be really interesting oh absolutely yeah like you can imagine that almost being like a, a puzzle almost you, you've got a set of armor stands with different kind of trim printed on them and you're supposed to connect things up with those redstone squiggles like it's a circuit or something attached to a mm, wall mm -hmm. and uh, i don't know how you would measure whether the right ones were put in the right places but you can imagine having like skulk sensors nearby that were detecting the sound of armor being put on an armor stand because i'm fairly certain that's a vibration that they can detect and so you could yes. do you could do some fun stuff with that like kind of puzzle game it escape room it up a little bit uh, that'd be kind of fun um the only other thing i've done this week is once again in that sort of completionist mindset i took a look at banners it made sense because of the customization with the armor trim and everything and going back to the warring kingdoms idea having an identity for those is really well represented by something like banners so i wanted to introduce those and add that you could use them as shield decorations which is now also possible on bedrock edition i think as of this most recent update uh which is a really good thing because i think that shield customization thing really goes a long way to helping with player identity once you're all wearing the same set of armor effectively on a server so i think it's a uh, a fun thing to do also touched on using banners as map markers and started adding a couple of things to point out where my storage hall is and where my mud factory is and stuff like that on the top down map of my little town area and i hadn't mapped the area for a little while so it was really quite nice seeing all of these builds that i've done since my first episode about maps maybe like you know 40 odd episodes ago uh, and you know suddenly the storage building is on there and it's huge and the mud factory is there and that looks pretty big as well and feels like i'm actually filling out the space from a top-down view nice i haven't messed with banners in a long time i think the last time i did anything with them was the textile shop in westdale and mm -hmm. i didn't do anything fancy i was doing like gradients they were just dyed from top to bottom uh in in what looked like vats of dye but yeah, I uh, I know that there's a lot of stuff that's possible. I I do like the the banners on shields. I think the shield that I use all the time when I do have one has got a yellow banner on it. Mm -hmm. I don't remember whether I did that on purpose or whether it was just everybody was going into the dragon fight. And just like you said, because we were all wearing diamond armor at the time, it made sense for people to have like a blue shield or a red shield or a yellow shield. And I think I maybe just chose yellow because no one else had it yeah 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 it's it's easier to spot people at a distance that way when you're all wearing the same stuff even with armor mm. trim i think now it's 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 less easy to remember whose armor trim is that and a lot easier to be like oh okay the one with the the red shield is clearly so and so you know um so yeah, yeah that that was that was a fun thing to uh to touch on in the uh in the series and now i'm moving on to more musing about 
what I'm going to use the concrete for, the, the, the build I mentioned last week with it all being kind of white and quartz and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm going to dip into piglin bartering at some point this week, but I probably need a long-term source of gold sooner rather than later. So I'm thinking about maybe taking the leap towards some of those larger scale farms, guardian farms, gold farms, that kind of stuff. Uh, for now, I'll probably just make do with mining in a Badlands to get a bit of gold to begin with. But then, uh, yeah, long term, I think if I need that much quartz, I'm going to need to break out the big guns. Would the iron armor, a shield with a white banner on it, or even just a white banner fit within your white city restrictions? Or would the wood on the banner be kind of like, nope, that's brown, can't <laughs> I mean, it might do. I, th I think... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see what style I land on with all of this. But yeah, I like the idea of having white curtains in windows or something like that. And I think there are ways in which having the place be all white, but then adding a pop of color in somewhere. Like if there's suddenly like a red section or something like that could mm, really have mm -hmm. a big impact and could potentially even lead to color coding of a series of tunnels. If it's a nether hub where you say, you know, follow the blue path, that'll get you to the guardian farm for example right so that's that's right. sort of the way my brain is headed is like how can i introduce color into this environment in a way that feels impactful and will really kind of stand out but won't just feel like okay i've abandoned the theme from this point onwards and i'm just going with something completely different after that that could be really cool with the idea of either like you know go to the shop with the blue curtain and the, the entrance to the skeleton dungeon is in the basement you mm -hmm. know like that that kind of stuff like the kind of like the secret spy you know you have to know where you're going to find where you're going that kind yeah. of thing yeah that absolutely. could be really interesting or you could even have um like arm like is like we were saying like armor trim just kind of like with just the highlight showing uh, up against all that quartz like that could be the from a distance that would be the only thing that you would see would be like the red or the blue or the green or whatever right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and armor trim on iron armor does look very much like just a, a plain background with this colorful design on it which is why i did iron armor here in the first place so yeah honestly that's uh that's sort of the way my brain is going anyway enough about me uh what's new in the citadel how's uh, everything going with you more marsh more problems and <laughs> uh it's not bad i it's just it's just a large project it's uh it, i was joking around on stream the other day quoting lord of the rings saying don't follow the lights uh because i've been walking around the main marsh in front of the curtain wall in west hill now for a couple of weeks and i have had to reduce my stream time on minecraft down to like a couple hours maybe uh i pushed it a little bit depending on where i am in in terms of completion in the task but uh, it's just a long time to be looking down and placing blocks in a random pattern and trying to not see and not create anything mathematical and trying to keep it all looking fairly natural. Um, as I said last week, I was focusing on the negative space, like focusing on the water shapes rather than the earth shapes. And something that I had forgot, even though I had just made one of these marshes a little while ago, uh, was that uh, I went through early on and did a test and placed grass or azalea bushes or ferns on every single block that I placed. And it was too green. It didn't look muddy. It didn't, mm -hmm. it took too much away from all the careful placement of muddy mangrove roots and mud and mangrove roots that I had placed. So I had to dial it back and I ended up doing something a little bit different in terms of my strategy. So after taking the time to completely fill this area with uh, muddy mangrove roots, mangrove roots and mud and the pattern that I wanted, 
that took forever. I had to go back to the mangrove swamp for yet another collection run. And uh, so heads up, folks, if you decide to do this and you choose mangrove blocks, like just go collect like two or three shulker boxes full of stuff. Because I went through stacks and stacks and stacks of muddy mangrove roots. Um, and I mean, obviously the easiest way to collect those is collect the roots and the, and the mud separately and then just combine them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of going through and placing all kinds of grass and bushes at once, what I did was I took a look at how dense I wanted the azalea leaves or jungle leaves to be placed all of those first. So they just look like these little dots kind of spread around and then to get the grass to fill in but not be everywhere, I kind of had the grass grow out from each bush in a kind of a random natural looking pattern. Not to fill every block, but enough. And because of that, it looks more natural and you don't end up with any like random, here's a clear path where there's no grass whatsoever and you can just see mud as far as the eye can see. And so it worked out very well and it was a more of a strategy. It made more sense to me. It was less random. It was easier to kind of look at something and go, oh, that bush has no grass around it. That's my next task. And so I did that. And this weekend, uh, I was able to complete all of the vegetation. So the grass, the sea grass in the water, the azalea bushes, the moss, the ferns, the only thing I haven't done is gone around the edge of the marsh and added, adding in like two high grass and two high ferns because I don't quite know what's happening with the edge yet. I need to figure out what's happening with the space of grass between the road and the marsh first before I really get into the details. Um, but the the overall kind of vibe of it is done and I'm quite happy with it. And the remaining things are I decided to change the grass cliff going down into the west river into rock and it looks much better it looks more like a feature and it gives the impression of a piece of bedrock so not like minecraft bedrock blocks but like bedrock in the world being come you know a high piece of hard ground that this wall would be built on because no one's going to build a wall on a marsh mm-hmm. and the idea is that um the stone wall of the of the town is on top of this rock outcrop and so i'm showing it kind of coming out from the grass and the over time the water from the marsh has kind of run down over this rock and i've seen stuff like this on hikes around nova scotia where actually the 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 bedrock shelf like the continental shelf kind of comes up and sticks into the ocean And you can see where there really is only like six inches of topsoil. And then whenever it rains, it just sheets off of these rocks down into the ocean. And so I took that idea and thought, well, okay, if there's a marsh kind of stuck on this low lying area on top of rock, then there's nowhere for it to go. It has to go over this rock. So I'm going to put a couple of waterfalls going down into the river. So that's a work in progress. I just kind of have a concept in there now. And the other thing is that along the front of the curtain wall, Uh, months and months and months ago, I kind of decorated the ground and said, okay, here's what it looks like if there might have been like pieces of the wall crumbling, a couple of piles of gravel and cobblestone at the base. And it looked okay. But now that I've got a marsh in front of the wall, it doesn't really make any sense. And so what I'm going to end up doing is piling up things like cobblestone, mossy cobblestone, some gravel, and make it look like before they built the wall, they kind of had to do some fill, like they kind of had to dump some stone into the marsh to make sure that this wall wasn't going to sink mm-hmm. into the marsh. And that will also, I think, help separate the marsh from the curtain wall. And ha- the curtain wall, I don't want it to look any shorter, so I'm going to be careful not to pile the stuff too high, but that's the next phase. And that will complete the wall side of everything. 
Uh, and then I'll have to do, like I said, the area between the road and the marsh. And I'm really not sure. I, I kind of, I wish I could have maybe planned the marsh a little bit bigger. I, I might still extend the marsh closer to the road. I, I may just put some bushes down. Um, I might put a tree. I, like, I don't want to block the view because coming in from the west, it looks really cool. It totally, you know, takes over your view and says, oh, cool. Look at this. Like there's that cool feature between you and the wall. Um, I do want to put in things like uh, a road sign with uh, the new hanging signs that point, you know, like go east to go here, go west to go there, mm -hmm. north takes you to the farms. Like I want to have something like that there. So I've got things that I can put in. Uh, somebody also mentioned a, a good idea would be like something that looks like an off road, like a place where a wagon would pull over to stop if it needed to, or maybe even have like a wagon that's broken down on the side of the road. So there are some things that I need to do. Um, but we've talked about this before in that it's a lot easier to design the space between two things when both of those things are done. And so right now, West Hill is getting close to done, but I don't have anything north of West Hill, really. Like there's a farm wall that I've got there. It's just temporary. So until I design where that farmland is going to be, I can't really figure out what I want to do with the road. So that'll have to wait. And that's fine. Um, I can fill it with like bushes and grass and just kind of like hit it with some bone meal to make sure it doesn't look forgotten because right now it looks like it's been cleared by the player mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just yeah. very very plain um but i'm happy with everything else uh it's you don't see quite as much of the marsh as i wanted you to when you're approaching the town it's not until you get right up to the front gate and you look west that you can see like the marsh kind of stretching out in front of of the gate you have to get up like a block or two in order to really see it and that's what happens with the west road the west road rises up a little bit and then you can see a lot more um, but, uh, so far so good. It's just, it's a big area and it's one of those, one of those tasks in Minecraft that you're always really happy with the way that it looks at the end, but man, it's a kind of a slog to, to get through. So I'm kind of, I'm pushing through it and, and I think it's becoming rewarding. I'm getting that stage where it's like, okay, all of this work was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think what you've done, especially with like lifting that rock shelf out of there is honestly really smart because it does imply that there is some solid Thanks. ground underneath there and you're not just doing the, uh, was the thing from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where the guy's like, you know, and I, I built the castle in the swamp three times and each time it fell down, but the fourth one stayed up, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> they haven't just decided to build this in like the worst place possible and it's it's clearly got some some foundations there. And it's just neat that a little bit of terraforming can go a long way uh, to, to making that illusion a little bit more, you know, fulfilling for the player, a little bit more more understandable. And honestly, I don't mind the fact that when you're you know entering via the road you can't really see it all that much because you do see that the terrain there is different and if anything mm -hmm. that's almost like a, a a hint to the player of like this might actually be a bit rewarding to go and take a look at because it's clearly so different from the terrain around it and you know granted you haven't added in all of the detail that you want to in the grassy area around that but it's clear that there is a different ecology at work there because there's this sudden you know flourish of undergrowth and and grass and and leaves and everything else all in a, a fairly you know random and organic but still uniform like this is all the same environment kind of layout and so in a couple of the screenshots that you posted here in our discord you can see it's sort of like the ground is flat but at a certain point it definitely changes and as a player walking around in this space and not knowing what that was i'd be interested in going over there and going hey why does it look like this anyway because it seems intentional that it does and then realizing that it was a marsh i think i'd, I'd get a lot out of the experience of discovering that so that's uh, that's honestly like it's working in its favor as far as i'm concerned 
Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. And and that is one of the challenges of that flat green area between the road and the marsh is that you can see the marsh right now. And if I put too much on that green area, you're going to hide that effect completely, right? So you wouldn't yeah. be able to see, oh, what is that over there? So I do have a path going from the guardhouse uh, around the corner. It's very temporary. I, I just use the path block to say, what if path goes here? And that I'll go back and finish that up later. And I might have other ones. Like it's the kind of thing where like you might see you know, uh, unfortunately, we can't really do this or I'm not doing it with armor stands in Minecraft where this is the kind of thing where you'd see like kids from the town catching frogs, you know, like that kind yeah, of activity, sure, sure, yeah. you know, so I want to have some stuff on that grassy plain area, but I don't necessarily want to fill it with grass and bushes because then you're, it's going to obscure what's behind it. Yeah. And so I think having things, but very specific things in specific places like a cart, a cart path or a, a, a sign wouldn't you know, a, a single pole and some street lamps wouldn't, you know, obstruct the yeah. view from from the road. And so the, there's still f a fair bit of stuff to do. Um, but thankfully, I've kind of moved on from the marsh stuff. It's now like the cliff stuff and the wall stuff and the the, the fun things at the end, the the flavor that you get to add. So I'm pretty happy with it. It's uh, it's come together. It's one of the last things that I have to do. Um, the only thing that I have left that's really dreading is like i have to update that data pack and replace all the tables and chairs yeah in Westdale, yeah just which put, is putting that off like for as just, long as possible <laughs> yeah 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 i i have to bite the bullet and um and actually um speaking of uh of that there is something that i'm waiting for um and uh, it's probably a good opportunity to transition into the news to talk about things uh we have in the news this week minecraft java edition snapshot 23w46a this snapshot brings about a few redstone-focused changes. Notably, we're tweaking the tick delay behavior of the crafter and the copper bulb while they're still in the experimental development. With these changes, we aim to make the crafter more consistent with other blocks that drop or eject items and the copper bulb with other blocks that react or change state with a connected redstone signal changes. As a result of this, some contraptions built during the last few snapshots may no longer work properly. Changes in 23W46A, updated crafter textures, and technical changes in 23W46A. The data pack version is now 25. Added individual display names for scoreboard entries. Each entry in a scoreboard can now have a custom display name. These values are kept separate per objective and score holder. If the name is not present, the score holder name is used, i.e. the older behavior. If the score is re is uh, reset or the whole objective is removed, the name is not preserved. Team decorations will still be applied to names as normal. More details on scoreboard changes are provided in the Minecraft.net changelog linked in our show notes. Fixed bugs of note in 23W46A. Crafter block has one game tick cooldown. Crafters will stack items when outputting into chiseled bookshelves. Copper grates can't be waterlogged. Some crafting recipes for the new copper blocks appear when experiment is disabled. Tough block set color palette is inconsistent with itself. Trial spawners can be replaced by lava pools and other features. And wind ch charges can't switch levers off, but they can switch levers on. That's been fixed. Additional bugs and other things in the Minecraft.net article, again, will be linked in our show notes. 
The other news is that Minecraft Preview 1.20.60.20 came out this week, and this is a meanwhile in Bedrock edition because it included Trial Chambers, Trial Spawners, and The Breeze arriving in the Minecraft Preview, which uh, debuted on November 15th, 2023. The features are identical to the Java edition versions we covered in the show last week, so check out last week's show notes or the changelog on Minecraft.net for the full breakdown. We don't want to just rehash all of those features again. And, and additionally... Uh, the updated crafter and tough brick textures were brought in line with this week's Java snapshot. Other features and bug fixes, including fixing an issue that made boats clip through blocks when placed, uh, container blocks triggered with redstone like hoppers and dispensers can now be interacted with consistently when powered by a fast redstone clock, an issue was fixed that could inflict unexpected fall damage in certain cases when placing blocks while moving. They've increased the maximum render distance in preview on realms to 20 chunks, and that's pending additional feedback and any other uh, technical feedback that they might get as a result of that. There are also additional technical changes to the API and the Bedrock Editor. A bunch of other changes besides this, but there are too many to list them all here. You can find those at the changelog on minecraft.net and feedback.minecraft.net. So I'll say that I'm not a big fan of the new crafter texture, except I'm glad the full stone slash metal bottom is back because of the directional way that you can place the crafter. You can now use that as a wall texture. And with all the other crafting blocks, you're stuck with using those bottoms as either ceilings or um, you just can't see them. And I think that the directionality of the crafter is really unique and i think it gives having a full bottom like that that has that tile pattern i think has got some opportunity for for different you know it's a floor it's a ceiling it's a wall you can do whatever you want with it um i'm not really bothered by the crafter changes in terms of the redstone stuff the i mean this is a block that you're not no one is i shouldn't say no one most people are not looking to this to i want this to craft as fast as it can go uh it's more of a set it and forget it thing right yeah. like it's it's always going to be faster even at the fastest speed that it was at for you to to craft things manually in a crafting bench like that's still faster um it's just that you're involved and if you don't want to be involved the sacrifice is that this is going to be slower and i don't think it slows down by that much i watched a video of the different you know rates side by side i mean it's twice as fast the old way but like it doesn't really matter it's still the new way is still fast yeah. as far as yeah, i'm yeah, concerned yeah you're still making items like 10 per second instead of 20 per second if it's like on a one game tick cooldown so like right yeah it, it, it's ultimately it's going to make a difference only in the short term and only in the very very short term and like you said for, for most people it, this is going to be every time a bow comes through your skeleton spawner it automatically gets turned into a dispenser with a crafter with a bunch of other like you know cobblestone and redstone in it and that's really like the, the it's going to be throttled by the rates that you can do anything else with it and for the majority of use cases it's not going to matter that much and the majority of the feedback i've seen from the community has been we're fine with the changes to the crafter like you i think some people aren't as keen on the texture um i haven't actually seen the texture myself in game i've only looked at the screenshots of it that have been added to the minecraft wiki or have shown up in these change logs and so i wasn't aware that the first set of changes had been made where they they made it all wood uh from the bottom 
section and then now they've added in the sort of the chin strap area and they've added uh, as g the b put in our discord sideburns to it so that it's got more of like a stone casing <laughs> or maybe a metal casing around the outside and i i get that that makes the texture more consistent with stuff like observers and and droppers and dispensers and whatnot and also the behavior becomes uh more consistent with those which is the point of the note in the change log but yeah i kind of liked it being more like a, a crafting table with wood all the way around the outside and just a, a metal top and bottom but either way i'm more interested in the functionality than i am the appearance and i didn't notice that the bottom texture of it had changed in the previous snapshot so i'm glad that they've at least changed it back because that seemed fairly usable in terms of uh, a wall texture and whatnot like you said I think the the thing that I find interesting about the the sideburn comment is that it it sort of reminds me of uh, Trapjaw, the He-Man bad guy who has like a metal <laughs> lower jaw, and right. because they've yeah, connected yeah. they've they've connected the helmet to the lower the the lower mandible sort of area, it reminds me of Trapjaw, which I I think is is quite funny. Um, so so in a in a way that's kind of positive, but it that in, it lines up with the other blocks in Minecraft of this nature that have faces on them, like you know the observer has yes. like two eyeballs that look at things and that kind of stuff. So I'm like that I'm cool with that kind of personality. I just I like these blocks to have, or I feel that Mojang is at its strongest when these textures are multifaceted in terms of you can use it as a crafter, or if you're going to use it as a texture block, here are six options honestly uh well i guess five because the left and right are the same yeah sort of um that you have to decorate if you want to do that and the only thing that i i find tricky with this kind of stuff is that when you do tile it and that you give it like an outside edge it reduces the way that you can use it um in different scenarios because it, it's it in itself is just a square and you're just dealing with repeating squares and that's something that you have to want if that becomes an interesting texture where uh something like uh, one of the sides of the cartography table has vertical planks on it. And if you're facing the right way, it can be a really interesting wall, but because it doesn't have a border, it's like a continuous texture if you want to use it that way. And so that that has more options, I think. Um, but because this is a special redstone component, I can see it having like, I, I'm cool with it going, you know, in either direction. But um, again, some strong points, some, some weak points in terms of that. Uh, where do you land on uh, the changes to the copper bulb? it's interesting really because i i was already excited for the copper bulb as a compact t flip-flop which was sort of the redstone use the developers expected the community to latch onto. Uh, no, no pun intended because i know latches are also a thing in redstone um but yeah like i've seen the community reacting to this and it's not a subject i had looked into deeply enough to understand why it was essential for the progress of redstone i understand that yes it varies what you can do with stuff because redstone updates are typically limited to a minimum of two game ticks which is one tenth of a second and this allowed something to happen in between two of those redstone updates by allowing something to happen on a one tick uh, basis so it could it could kind of fill in the odd numbers um <laughs> in between all of these uh redstone ticks and like I, I get that this this is a difficult subject because it involves the developers removing quote unquote something that the community finds cool despite the developers repeatedly insisting these are experimental features and you'll notice and a lot of people have pointed this out that the the existence of that one tick pulse was supposedly intentional i think king b dogs confirmed this on twitter in just a very short 
aside to somebody who asked and it doesn't appear in this changelog as a bug report which means it wasn't necessarily unintentional and something that they changed it was something that was changed intentionally even though it was intentional before and i don't know whether it was simply deemed too powerful or if it was something that they wanted the community to discover at at length and people discovered it too early and they thought well you know the cat's out of the bag now um you know people are going to know about this way before the update has come out so we still have a chance to you know change that because otherwise it's going to it's not going to be something fun for people to discover later people are going to expect this to set the standard for redstone features going forward um and feature creep is a problem for the long-term health of games like minecraft that are supposed to be lasting forever and i i wonder if they see a one tick pulse now as something that could be reserved for a different redstone component given that the copper bulb is already introducing this compact t flip-flop idea um and maybe in future they can introduce something that can produce a one-tick pulse and requires maybe more effort to obtain or is obtained in a different way and allows that functionality to stand out on its own instead of it just being a side effect of the copper bulb that they already had something in mind for. Uh, my only other thought is that this could also be a parity issue and they're trying not to widen the existing gulf between Java and Bedrock Redstone if something about the way this is coded and something about the way redstone interactions work on and redstone updates work on bedrock was not allowing this functionality to be introduced to bedrock edition as well that's that's where i where i land on it i'm i'm sort of ambivalent to it i wasn't expecting it to change my life when it arrived in the way that a lot of redstone folks are very excited about this but i'm not a high level redstone player i do kind of basic tutorial stuff with it but i'm really not operating on the same level that some of the folks are who do large-scale redstone systems and very kind of intricate stuff with redstone i'm not there yet so i didn't quite have time to get excited about this before it then got reverted i wasn't excited about it but i am disappointed for the people that are looking forward to it or were looking forward to it and now that functionality is gone purely because of the excitement that they had you know, uh, yeah. server mates or watching people like mumbo jumbo and just like giddy would be the term I would describe for some of the videos that I've seen. And also as a Minecraft fan, like it just means that these people that are very smart and very into redstone can do some wondrous things and just everything from just visual art to perhaps like, um, music and things that need, need specific timing. Like there's all kinds of things that you could do. And I like your, your point about feature creep in that, you know, for the long-term health of the game, you know, having this be a one-tuck pulse, that's not, you know, specifically a redstone component, but could be. Um, one thing that could happen is that while they've removed this feature from the copper bulb, maybe it comes back not only in a separate redstone component, but maybe it comes back better, right? Like, I don't know enough about redstone to know what might have been the shortcomings of the copper bulb with a one tick redstone pulse. But w if there were any, if Mojang has a better way to do it, right? A, a more flexible, um, if it's just something else like the, the bulb or, or something different that gives us another texture, then that's another block we get to play with creatively. Like there's a bunch of different reasons I can think of where it, it could come back better. Uh, I'm, tr I'm struggling to think of another game feature that was like that, where they removed it from one block or they, they had an idea for one thing and it came back as a different thing. I think maybe you were talking about it with the breeze, uh, in that the breeze feels very similar to 
one of the other mobs that they were trying to add to the game in terms of um like oh the, the copper, the copper golem. golem yeah yeah with yeah the, with it being able to activate redstone components in a way that right feels different to what the copper golem was going to but still performs a similar function yeah right yeah so it's stuff like that i, I can sort of see and honestly i think i like the breeze more than i like a copper golem you know i mean co <laughs> yeah. copper golems are cute but the breeze is, is interesting and different and new and so you know you've got those kind of things to play with so i i'm i'm not dropping any judgment on it yet i i it's it's all in development and i think that while i'm glad that we have experimental features and i'm glad that um we get to see this stuff early i feel like mojang is aware of the risk that they're running with introducing things under the quote experimental features tab and trying to convince players that like if we put something in here we are well within our rights to take it away yeah and and people just get so attached to stuff and they forget that it's in the experimental features tab and something that i've been noticing about the snapshots over the last few weeks well i'm very happy to talk about everything on this show we've had no indication when 1.20.3 is coming these 1.20.3 snapshots have had nothing to do with 1.20.3 as far as i know like they they are certainly those are not the things that people are talking about the things that people are talking about are the experimental versions or the experimental features that are included in these snapshots and these experimental features are months away. Yeah. Like traditionally, we're looking at June-ish, 2024 for 1.21. And the things that are coming in 1.20.3, while we did have some, in, you know, some snapshots earlier in the fall that were talking about some changes, we haven't heard anything. And we haven't even seen uh, the potential of a release candidate or anything along those lines. And I am wanting to update some things that data pack I mentioned a bunch of mods there's a bunch of things on the citadel that i would like to update when 1.20.3 drops i'm not doing it because that's hopefully soon uh and i want to do it all in one foul swoop rather than updating now to 1.20.2 and then again to 1.20.3 in like three weeks if that's when it happens and so i'm i'm hoping that there's enough feedback coming in for the experimental features that Mojang can do some work on them and then return to the 1.20.3 stuff and kind of get that out. Uh, I'd rather see this stuff be in a 1.21 snapshot because I feel like it clarifies the like how far away it is and and people um, I guess people get excited for it but forget that there with so much time between now and the potential release date of 1.21 there's so much that can change and with all these things that are the experimental feature flag then it's you know you run the risk as a developer i think of you know when you take things away that people get used to even after just a week then you're going to get some some feedback that is mostly negative but it's it's and we've talked about it before with redstone stuff it's always the vocal minority that seem to you know yeah talk about this kind of stuff because the the vast majority of players are like it did what <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. over my head you know yeah yeah and i i think the redstone community knows what it wants and like that's to their credit a Fair. lot of the time like they're they're very vocal about this stuff and they want it to improve a side of the game that they are very passionate about so i don't i don't think that there's anything negative to say from that i think um to mojang's credit they have not communicated the copper bulb to be something that generates a one tick redstone update and then removed that functionality so they they haven't gone back on what they've said they were going to do and 
you know, gotten rid of something that was already announced at Minecraft Live <laughs> or something like that. And the other thing, to give a, a very generous read on this, like I'm not certain what their plans are for the future of this one tick functionality, if anything, but what if they decided to bring that back as a separate redstone component that didn't involve a lighting update? Because we already know lighting updates, despite mm. their revisions to the lighting engine recently, are one of the things that can create a fair amount of lag in the world, and attaching functionality that players want to use, like a one-tick redstone update, and attaching that to something which is going to generate a lot of lag when used in large quantities because of the lights flickering on and off constantly, could potentially be done more elegantly and in a way that will reduce the load on the server and and, and re reduce that kind of performance decrease if it isn't also tied to a light source that's already designed to perform some other functionality on top of that right and so i'm not certain if those things are too tied together and if it would have to be some sort of light source block but my guess is that it wouldn't it'd be something like a note block that has a reaction but just cools down from it very fast and potentially that's what we end up using for that redstone functionality in future so that's my my you know ideal world read on this is that they are withdrawing that functionality from the copper bulb in order to bring it back in a way that feels like it's going to have less of a performance impact on servers the problem obviously stems from we don't know what their intention is and aside from mentioning in the header text of this changelog that they've decided to make this change to the copper bulb there is very little justification as to why or any kind of forthcoming information about what's next mm. and naturally this goes hand in hand with their thing of we're not going to talk about stuff that we can't confirm is going to come to the game yet but obviously that's leaving people frustrated and feeling like we have less information about this than we did before. So community dissent on this is understandable and calls to revert the copper bulb functionality are understandable. I wonder if Mojang has other plans that they're just not talking to us about them yet. But that's, again, a fairly generous read on the situation where it could just be, we think this is too powerful for now, let's take it away and let's sit on the situation for a while before deciding what to do with it in future. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, we're going to move on to the chunk mail dispenser section of the show. This replaces the main discussion with emails from you, the community. If you would like to email the show, you can send that to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please keep them short and sweet. It increases the chance that they will be read on the show. John, you want to grab the first one? Yes, absolutely. This one comes in from Daniel H with the subject of finding trial chambers. Hi. I think Mojang should add a trial chamber map at some point, especially with new changes to villagers adding new maps. A trial chamber map could also point to the actual entrance of the structure. Where do you guys think a trial chamber map would fit the best? As a villager trade or as chest loot in some other structure? What do you think about having some other pointer on the surface to trial chambers like the trees that help you find lush caves? Daniel was blown away by a breeze and faded into the distance. I think a villager trade would make sense. I mean, if Mojang was to add a map to a trial chamber, uh, that would make sense as to where to put it. I wonder if the idea, though, is to have the player dig for them to discover them either because they're looking for them or by accident as you're just kind of spelunking and digging around. Uh, and that unlike woodland mansions or strongholds, which are so few and far between, that trial chambers are going to be more frequent uh, more along the lines of a uh, trail ruin and and something that you're meant to discover and unearth, you know, without 
knowing exactly where it is. And while I like the idea of a map pointing you to the front entrance of one, uh, I feel like Mojang's intent here, at least my read on it, is that these things are meant to be like, ooh, what's that? Not a, I'm following the dotted line to this thing. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 meant to be a bit more of a random experience, and I think it benefits from that. Like, it, you're not always going to have a fresh start, but then once you've mapped out the dungeon, if you want to run it again, then you'll know where the entrance room is, and you can maybe plan to drop other players in there like you can make it more accessible to them than it was initially for you um so yeah i think having played a bit with them in survival having gone to a couple of them i think they are too frequent to have maps to them the way maps currently work when you're trading them from cartographers is they will always sell you the same map like if you buy an ocean explorer map it's always going to point you to the same trial chamber so sorry the same ocean monument uh, and so if you bought a trial chamber map from a cartographer it would presumably point you to the same trial chamber over and over again and that mean you have to have several cartographers for them to give you maps to what could be fairly local trial chambers that you might have found multiple of just by digging around and so it kind of once again encourages players to build up this massive stock of traders just for one thing and then you start to consider villagers more disposable after that um i think while mapping them makes sense and i think it'd be fun if say dungeon spawner chests had maps to trial chambers because it'd be fun for progression in, in a kind of like hey you want to meet my big brother kind of way um th there's something exploration and combat related leading to the next step in that experience like you've you've seen what a spawner dungeon is capable of now meet their bigger brother now meet like the the thing that you know is effectively a whole challenge room full of these things um alternatively you can consider that's what the caving experience largely is for people who aren't playing on peaceful difficulty you're you're running around looking for resources yes but you're also fighting off mobs constantly and lighting the place up and trying to figure out the best way of getting around a situation where you get overwhelmed and i think naturally as an extension to caving and the combat that comes with that trial chambers do make sense as something that you just stumble into in the underground so i think it it sort of works out even without needing a map i think ultimately maps might be required for just being able to make a beeline for one of these if you wanted to say strip all of the resources out of it if you just wanted the copper from the walls and the floors then it makes sense to be able to point you to the next one because it's a resource that you've depleted once you've dug out one of them you want to go and find another one but I, I don't think they are intended that way. And so I think it makes sense that you don't get a map to them, especially considering how frequent they are. They're, I would say they're slightly rarer than geodes, but they're on the same sort of level as a geode where you're going to find yeah. them relatively frequently as you explore the underground. I like the idea of a potential map in a dungeon chest, but as a twist, what if instead of a map pointing to one trial chamber what if there was a compass that like, it would have to be a new kind of compass, I guess, but what if there was a compass that would point you to, maybe it's pointing you to the trial spawner. And, and so it could point you to any trial spawner. It's going to point you to the closest one to where you're standing when you find that compass. But as you continue to use that compass, it could lead you to more and more. But I, again, I guess that defeats the purpose of like sense of discovery and trying to, to find these things on, on their own. Um, I feel the same way about like a potential 
flag on the surface, like a, a, an azalea tree marching, marking a, a lush cave. Um, I, I, I think that it, well, one, it just wouldn't make a lot of sense because lush caves can be pretty close to the surface. Uh, but these trial spawners tend to be, or trial chambers rather, they tend to be really deep and having something on the surface indicating, by the way, if you dig down 40 blocks, <laughs> you're going to find something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, and, and I don't know what it would be. Like, I'm, I'm not sure what you would want to have, like, this, I guess, you know, tough bricks and copper blocks, which that seems kind of strange to have these things kind of flagged from the surface that are meant to be these old mysterious things that are hanging around. Um, I, I do find that the more that I think about the aesthetic of a trial chamber, while I know that the tough bricks look good next to the tough kind of generation in the world, Overall, I feel like the tough chamber, the the um, trial chambers, feel a little out of place compared to everything else in Minecraft. It could be just like they're new and I'm just not used to it. And somebody that comes into the game in six months be just like, "These are great," you know. They that's sure, you know, I'm on board. Um, but in the same way, like when I first found uh, dungeon spawners, I didn't feel that they were out of place. Like they're a bunch of cobblestone villages have a lot of cobblestone in them. Uh, I, regular dungeons to me felt like oh cool these are part of the game whereas the trial chambers feel very different they they feel very out of place compared to something that is like the the regular dungeon spawner do you feel like they stick out a little bit yeah they certainly have a different intentionality to them (laughs) you know they Mm. they feel very deliberate and it seems strange to encounter it after how organic the caves around you feel that there is just this structure buried there and that's similar to the stronghold in a way and you you sort of you're led to wonder were these things on the surface at one point and then the surface terrain has just sort of built up over the top of them like layers of sediment forming a rock or Mm. is it just that they were dug into the ground and maybe there's you know natural erosion has happened or maybe they were placed here by a civilization that wanted you to adventure into these caves in order to find these trials in the first place and naturally the intention is it's all you know in from a meta angle it's like the developers wanted you to find this but you know it, it's kind of <laughs> fun to speculate about these things the the other thing is every time they've talked about trial chambers both at minecraft live and uh sort of separately in little q a's that they've done with the community here and there it seems like a lot of attention has been paid to the idea of a trial chamber as a potential multiplayer experience and it's funny that thinking about the way people have made suggestions about locating trial chambers and things that trial chambers could have to help players out all of that is stuff that other players could set up for the next person to find that trial chamber so like you know, not only the, the multiplayer experience isn't just in going into this trial chamber altogether and having the spawners spawn more stuff. It's also in leaving little additional obstacles or additional aids to help the next uh, set of players to come through. So that marker on the surface could be something that you create and a ladder down that leads directly to the entrance of the trial chamber. And you can leave certain things open for exploration. You can put better loot in the chests if you think they should have better loot and kind of pay it forward for the next player who's going to run in there with less equipment than you had. And so I think there's there's ways in which the trial chamber experience is both a cool experience for you to stumble into but then on a multiplayer server, it becomes something you can customize to make it even cooler for the next person. And so, yeah, you could put a lodestone down by this thing, set up a lodestone compass attached to that and go, here you go, here's a 
compass that'll take you to something secret and then they go and find it and it's a trial chamber for them you know i think you can do some neat stuff with that without mojang necessarily having to create that for the single player experience our next email comes in from tyronix speaking of trial chambers this one is about copper doors and trapdoors. dear johnny and joel i was listening to episode 269 and heard you two talking about the functionality of copper doors which are currently similar to wooden doors what if copper doors and trapdoors worked similar to copper bulbs? They would function so that they could only be opened by a redstone signal, but they would be toggled, opened, or closed for each signal received. I think this could result in some interesting redstone designs. Let me know your thoughts. Tyronix had a door slammed in his face after guessing wrong how it functioned. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. I feel like... We're... I'm so used to opening and closing wooden doors manually that whenever somebody has a pressure plate to automatically close one, I'm already right-clicking on it, and so I open it, and then the pressure plate closes it. <laughs> so I feel like that's that's me going to somebody else's house and like not knowing how the doormat works, basically. I, that happens to me. I have a um, pressure plate beh behind the doors when I enter my storage area, so like I have to open it manually on the way in under the keep but then i walk over a pressure plate to close it behind me basically basically because i afk there sometimes on my stream breaks and i don't want to get blown up by creepers or sure, whatever yeah yeah and and uh and i don't want to forget to turn around and, and close the door behind me and i have often been in autopilot mode walked up to the door opened it because my reach is farther than the than the pressure plate and then stepped on the pressure plate and have it trapped like slammed and then i'm just i have to open it again and i feel like a moron when i do it uh i Right now, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. A redstone pulse to a wooden door opens it briefly, right? But then it shuts again? Yeah, yeah. With, with, a with a pulse, yeah. If it has a sustained redstone signal, like a redstone torch that's on underneath the block, then that will keep it open. Um, but a player can still interact with it opening and closing it. It's only the, uh, the change in redstone signal that will cause it to revert back to closed when the redstone signal switches, switches off. Um, right. So if you turn the redstone torch off, then the door will shut again. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the same is true for iron doors, only that is the only way that a play, that it will open. Like a player can't open an iron door or a trap door. It has to be a redstone signal that yes, does that, right? Correct. So one thing I like about this idea uh, with the copper doors is that it would provide a player functioning door right now, the way that they are in game that a lap like will not be broken down by zombies in hard mode so if you don't want things to be able to beat on the doors and break them down then while you'd be stuck with the copper door textures the four of them uh or trapdoor textures at least you could put a metal door on the house that you could use without redstone but then a zombie couldn't break down assuming that copper doors can't be broken by zombies i'm making a, a leap there uh if the pulse idea was added to that and it wasn't the only way that you could operate a copper door, I'd be okay with it. Uh, I, the iron doors are the bane of my existence. I've got one <laughs> and we have <laughs> yeah. it on, we have it on the greenhouse because it was the only door that looked like it had like a nice aesthetic to go with the iron and glass of the greenhouse in Dartmouth Meadows. Yeah. And I, the button that I have to click when I walk up to it, I'm often in a rush. I'm moving too quick and I just, I miss the button and I walk into the door like constantly. <laughs> yeah. and, and and I don't want to put a pressure plate because of course then the pressure plate just lets zombies walk right in. So it's, it's tricky. 
Um, it's, it's a little bit different now. We could retrofit it to, if I had enough room, we could use like a, a skulk sensor and have something else uh, that would have to be different than a zombie footprint, I guess, or a zombie footstep. But we'd have to, if it was a player footstep specifically that would allow the door open, then that would be okay. Uh, so there are some options now beyond just pressure plates and buttons. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like iron doors and trap doors for that reason. And specifically with the new copper trap doors, I want to decorate with those. And I do not want to have to use redstone as the only option to flip it open or shut. So if this was like a yes and, as opposed to an either or, then I'd be on board. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, this was my idea from the beginning. This is what I was saying when they were introduced was I like the idea of them being different to both wooden and iron doors by having a toggleable functionality with redstone similar to the copper bulb. And I think that creates some consistency within the material by having everything that has redstone functionality from the copper block set reacting the same way. That being said, having now played a couple of trial chambers, it might get confusing if players couldn't open and close doors manually. Obviously, you could set it up like a stronghold where you have buttons on the walls and that allows you to open it, and then the door would just stay open once it had received a single button push, which would make some sense, and could also potentially allow breezes to trap you in there if they hit the button a second time with a wind charge and that means that the door slams closed behind you. Uh, so that could potentially introduce some some fun to it. But then, yeah, I agree, if you're decorating with them, it is going to be a hassle to put up lots of copper trap doors and then have to individually flip them closed using uh, redstone. I think that's that's probably one of the prohibitive things about that idea. And... Honestly, I think the same case with iron doors in Stronghold, most of the time players will just mine them. <laughs> so if, as an obstacle, it doesn't really present any kind of interest. It's really just the functionality of it being a redstone toggleable thing, which, again, seems like the kind of thing they've wanted to reserve for the copper bulb as this is a redstone T flip-flop. They wouldn't want to add that functionality to the door and the trap door as well and go, okay, now we have three compact redstone deep flip-flops right it, it it feels like they're kind of um yeah kind of ruining the the point of the copper bulb for themselves at that stage so i can i can understand why they're not doing this i like the idea of it being possible and i would like the hybrid approach that you've suggested where you could also manually interact with it as well um but yeah i'm kind of wondering if there's a a real reason for it at that stage Moving on to our third email, this one comes in from Pro10Prince with the subject of Creepier Crawlier. With the introduction of skeletons with poison-tipped arrows in trial chambers, a lot of players wanted to see the mossy skeleton from Minecraft Dungeons introduced. What if Mojang added spiders with status effects to trial chambers? What if they too had unique skins? I know Mojang might be hesitant to do anything involving spiders, but after thinking, why do we have cave spiders and not spiders with other potion effects, I'd love to see pink, orange, and white spiders to go with those updated potion colours. The prince got lost in a mineshaft. Wonder what happened after that. As a follow-up, we also got another email from Arthur, which we're just going to paraphrase here. And Arthur said, I think the rascal might be a good fight for trial chambers. And what other mobs do you think could be added as trial chamber challenges? From a character design and game design perspective, I like the idea of something more visual happening on the skeletons with poison-tipped arrows. If I remember your playthrough correctly, there was some indication around the trial spawner as to what was going to happen. Mushrooms indicating that there was going to be some poison-tipped arrows. Yes, correct. Other than getting hit by the arrow and noticing, oh, I've got a poison effect, 
was there a tip on the arrow? Could you see the poison arrow in the skeleton when, as it drew back the bow? Yes. I feel like that was a thing. They are holding it in their offhand, which is kind of what you have to do with arrows in your own inventory if you want to make sure it's getting the arrow. You either put it in your offhand or you put it like first in your inventory. Uh, you kind of right. put it in the top left and then you, you can guarantee that you're using that type of arrow. But yeah, to the player, it is signified by the skeleton quite clearly holding a poison-tipped arrow, which incidentally makes them using a bow kind of goofy looking, but that's always been the case with skeletons because it's not like they're using their other arm to draw back the bow anyway. Right. Uh, again, a mod that could use an animation update would be fine if they had a, a bow drawing animation. Difficult when you don't have an elbow, I understand. Uh I mean, the player does it, so they could try to do it with a skeleton. I like the idea of like a mossy skeleton, like having it have green bits on it. It would look creepy. It adds more interest, more fun, more flavor on top of being, you know, clearer what you're up against rather than just looking for the arrow in the offhand. So like, I think that's a cool idea. Um, I don't really remember the mossy skeletons from Minecraft Dungeons. They probably They probably look, you know, fairly straightforward, but I just, I don't really recall them. Uh... As for more spiders, I don't think spiders are the strongest mob with no knee in Minecraft. <laughs> I mean, they have the most legs and yet we still have no knees. And now if spiders got an animation update like the bat, maybe a model update like the bat, that I'd be fine with that. I'm not saying the knees have to bend, but instead of having a straight leg, if their legs were shaped like L's and then moved the same way that they do now, like I think that could be very, very cool. Uh, I... You know, I think that that would be a way to add some texture and some life back into spiders. I mean, I don't particularly find them easy to deal with. Like, I I still misclick and miss spiders that jump at me in on in you know broad daylight or or you know on the surface. Uh, cave spider spawners. Uh, I I've never been good at dealing with those. I've always found those problem. I light them and and kind of like back away as fast as possible because I just don't like dealing with them. Um, cause I, again, I find that first person melee difficult in Minecraft. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure that there are folks with arachnophobia there that do not want a little blue spider with swiftness effect. I feel <laughs> yeah. like that would probably be very ill-received. I, you know, when I first started playing Minecraft and trying not to die and kind of getting immersed in the game, I really didn't like baby zombies that I find that they were a real problem for me. And if spiders were like fast like that, I, that wouldn't be a fun time. Or if they were smaller, you know, again, a smaller target to hit, thinking about like silverfish and things like that. Um, it would be creepy and cool. Like you can imagine something where you're going around a trial chamber and you're breaking pots to get loot, you know, if that's what it is, if it's, if it's like a, a, a decorated pot. And instead of loot, it out pops five little baby spiders that start scurrying around like that would be <laughs> oh god like it would be bad news but it would be part of the challenge of a trial chamber yeah, like, yeah. so i can i can see the point here but uh i it just opens up it turns it into its own little video game at, at some point right so yeah uh i don't know about that here's the thing playing on hard difficulty already gives a chance for spiders to spawn with potion effects uh, if you're playing on hard, sometimes you'll notice that there's just like a set of floating red eyes in the distance, but no spider around it, and they can spawn with invisibility, strength, or I believe speed as potion effects. And those wear off over time, and chances are you don't encounter half of them because you're not running around like fighting mobs, but I believe that is still the case, and I think it's tied to difficulty. I think those might even be possible from spawners, but I might have to do a bit more research to confirm that. Um... 
And besides poison, honestly, there aren't really many other potion effects that would be viable and aren't inflicted by other mobs in trial chambers already. Like, we already have strays that inflict slowness. Um, I guess weakness would be a possibility. The only thing you really get that from is a splash potion thrown by a witch. And I don't believe witches are ever part of trial chambers by default. Um... The other negative potion effects are blindness, which is not fun and isn't actually inflicted by anything other than, I think, suspicious stew at this point. Uh, mining fatigue, which is also not very fun, maybe works for the trial chamber, maybe kind of forces you into the corridors, but is only really inflicted by elder guardians at this stage. And then I guess nausea, which can be toggled using a slider because potentially it induces real life nausea, so players aren't always super keen on that. So having something that inflicts that at short notice is either not going to be great but is ultimately harmless or is going to be something that players have dialed back the slider and wouldn't see the effect anyway. Aside from that, there's not much. Like, it's it's wither, really, and, and wither is just not that different to poison other than the fact that it's fatal. It would be quite funny if there were wither spiders with three heads, but it'd only be funny once, and it'd be awful <laughs> after that. Um, so yeah, like, I, I, I like the... The principle of the idea but i honestly don't think there are enough negative status effects that would really prove interesting enough to give to spiders in in this instance that that can't then be put on like i guess like levitation is is another one that's like you're not going to give that to anything other than shulkers and it, it can cause some extra fall damage and that can potentially be pretty bad for you but these are also closed structures so you'll learn you're only going to levitate up a few blocks anyway before you hit the roof and so i think Ultimately, yeah, the idea is predicated on the fact that there would be more negative potion effects that would be worth giving to the player in this situation, and I don't think there are any. <laughs> I think what it boils down to is that if someone wanted a new spider in the game or a spider effect in the game, it'd be better just to have a new spider. Yeah. Like just bring in bring in the new fast spider or the new, you know, <laughs> invisible spider, or I don't know, jumping spider, whatever, whatever you like want. A, like a circus yeah. ringmaster. Bring in the fast spiders. Um, roll <laughs> yeah. up, roll up. Yeah, it's like but gladiator. Honestly, it would it would give more uses to Bane of Arthropods at that point, which I think some people yeah, would appreciate fair. because that's probably the yep. most overlooked advancement uh, enchantment, sorry, in the game right now. But uh, yeah, like I, I I honestly don't see the the need for them at this point, and I think. While some people might want Trial Chambers to present more variety and more challenge, I think we're good with them right now. I think they've got a decent amount of variety that you're not going to find that everyone is the same and get bored of them that way. But uh, yeah, potentially there's room for them to introduce more mobs to these environments as they introduce more hopefully unique and different hostile mobs. Speaking of, do you have any other mobs you'd like to add in there, like in terms of either helpful for the player or something that might hinder them? See, I we, we went through a few of these ideas on the stream with Azuma and Nembon and them, and so we, we started putting in stuff like the Illusioner, um, which is obviously doesn't exist in survival and had to be programmed in using commands to get one of the trial spawners to spawn it. It doesn't even have a spawn egg. And we immediately discovered why uh, that mob isn't in the game. It's because it sucks to fight. It's really bad. Like, it spawns four illusory copies of itself and the actual mob is invisible and you have to try and find it. And it's so difficult to hit from a melee perspective and they also just shoot you with arrows the entire time. It's bad. Like, it doesn't feel good to fight them. And they also induce blindness. Again, that's the other place that the blindness effect can come from. Um, but yeah, we was kind of spitballing ideas and 
honestly, like, Vindicators were too powerful, Vexes were too powerful, Evokers just spawned more Vexes and that was bad as well. And I mm. think including any of the Illager stuff in these Trial Chambers doesn't really make any sense. They feel like a raw, hostile mob kind of situation, right? And they've got most of the bases covered without going to, like, hostile mobs from the Nether. Like, you've got skeletons, you've got zombies, you've got slimes, spiders are in there as well. I think witches would be a bit too much because they'd all just chuck potions of harming and poison at you and you just get one shot by them by the end of it. Um... Yeah, the Illager stuff is is out. The Breeze is there and it's new, so that's great. Um, but honestly, beyond that, yeah, like, Guardians aren't really going to do anything in that environment. Like, none of the kind of... The, the Drowned, same thing. I think Husks might even be in there already, and if they're not, that's potentially an addition. But yeah, there aren't really that many. Endermen are just going to teleport away. You know, there's there's not a whole lot you can do with that to really up the ante. And then you start getting silly with it. What we ended up doing on the stream was like, we were going through our mental kind of libraries and, and just kind of typing through a few commands of like, what actually constitutes an entity. And you can program them to do stuff like summon lightning. <laughs> and it just randomly strikes lightning around the spawner. Or uh, lit TNT is technically an entity. <laughs> so you can create a trial spawner wow. that just explodes seven times and then drops an emerald for you. <laughs> but there's there's some wacky stuff you can do with them. But ultimately, I think the existing range of mobs that they've applied to them is pretty much the limit like i don't see them adding too much more than this without inventing new mobs or maybe giving the skeletons wacky arrows that i don't know inflict obscure status effects on you but those just tend to get a little bit old i find and there aren't really that many negative statuses that are going to be they're going to feel fair and balanced in an environment like that yeah, I couldn't think of anything either. Whenever I came up with something, it was like pillagers or illagers running around to help trigger the booby traps. But then, like, why are they there? It did, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, considering we have where they are on the surface in the the outposts, and so like, why like why would they be this deep underground? That kind of thing is just strange. Uh, skeletons and zombies make the most sense to me. I just it doesn't. It's not all that new, but it it makes the most sense in terms of what gets spawned in. I like the breeze. I think it's a great addition. I I noticed that Arthur mentioned the rascal specifically as something that like help the player find loot. You know, like kind yeah. of guide you through. That's kind of a fun idea. Is it like if you found a trial chamber, like if there was a specific room similar to rescuing Alays from woodland mansions like if you had to rescue a rascal and then the reward was it would take you to a chest that might have like a key in it or something like that could be kind of fun um but i yeah i can't think of much that that makes sense or would uh or that i would want to fight in in that in those enclosed spaces i i feel like the the things that i would want to see added to the game mob wise always end up being ideas that fall outside of trial chambers and uh, I mean, the great thing about them is that you'll see probably map makers take advantage of these things down the line and, and spawn in different stuff, either with mods or, you know, have unique sets of things coming into the game. And that could be fun. And I think that that is where that line is drawn. I think, you know, what you get with the vanilla game, I think, is is adequate. And if you want more, then there's going to be other ways to experience that without having to change it for everyone. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the rascal is like 
it, it goes with the spirit of the trial chamber structure, like the idea that you would have something to give you a little bit of extra loot and help you. And I like the idea because the initial pitch for the rascal was that they would kind of run around and you'd have to chase them down. And once you caught them two or three times, then they would they would give you something. And the idea there in the trial chamber is that you have to chase it around this entire structure and you're activating all of the spawners as you go. And like skeletons are like shooting arrows at you as you're trying to track down this thing and grab it to get the pickaxe or whatever it's offering you. But uh, yeah, it seems like it'd be chaos and not necessarily in a good way, but it would also involve them implementing a, a whole new mob and something that's been, you know, part of the original mob votes, but not necessarily the most popular choice. So yeah, kind of curious if they would really go that route. Our last email of the main show, we do have a, a render distance email, so stick around for that if you're a patron. Uh, this email comes in from Empty Empires, the Rot Iron Solution. Hello, Johnny and Joel. I was listening to episode 268, specifically your discussion on stained glass windows and how much inventory space it would take up. What if you could craft nether brick and iron to get a wrought iron lattice? This would be a decorative panel that you could be placing on the sides of blocks to add texture. This texture could change by putting in a crafting table with a corresponding block, depending on the pattern you desire, similar to armor trim. I know a lot of people would like this as a way to spruce up windows and other surfaces by adding a dark gray pattern to lay over it. Maybe you would be able to grow sweet berries in it to have it have an overgrown texture. Would love to hear your thoughts. Empty empires got stuck after putting their head in between the bars again. Oh no, <laughs> definitely happened to me when I was a child. I remember being rescued from several chairs as a result of like <laughs> just putting body parts through it to see what would happen. Yeah, so I can I can relate. Um, yeah, th this is something that I've actually had a bit of experience with in my very brief stint on the New Life server because there was a modded block in there that was a lattice and you could add plants to it like you could grow vines you could grow like you know the two tall flowers like peonies and rose bushes and stuff would go in there and i i like the idea of being able to overlay them on windows kind of like in the same way that you would put vines or glow lichen or something onto the side of a block but having it specifically be a trellis that you could adapt glass that way and give it that kind of classic, uh, you know, wrought iron lattice window kind of feel. Um, very similar to a lot of, you know, old buildings in the UK, like heritage buildings and stuff like that still have them. And uh, yeah, I, I can I can see that being quite an attractive prospect. That's what I was thinking. I was talking about this just yesterday on stream. I was talking about it in a foliage kind of landscape where I was really wanting to have something like pink petals, but in a green palette that you could add to grass or mud or different things and ultimately get all kinds of different versions and densities of green and brown or green and whatever colors underneath it. And it would be awesome if that was something that was in the game. We have vines, but you can't really put them on the ground. And we have lichen, but lichen is not the right color. It's very blue, very kind of silvery looking. Uh, and it lights up stuff when you might not want it to uh and the economy of wrought iron lattice would be something really really cool it would add a single or maybe a handful of textures to the game as far as a single block is concerned or a single item like a a wrought iron lattice but it would open up 
dozens and dozens of texture combinations. Like you could put this over just about anything and change the way that it looks in terms of what color it registers as, what structure it registers as. Uh, you know, you have add one lattice and you have 16 different versions of, of stained glass immediately. Um, the thing that I would be wondering though, is if it, if it's going to be as thick as a trapdoor in terms of its physical presence in the game, or would it be even thinner? If it was thinner, this would be one of the first examples, I think in the game where we'd be able to put something like that on a flat surface on the ground, but also on a vertical surface on the side of a block outside of something like a map or a item frame, but those don't achieve the same thing. So I like, it's, it's difficult to think about like how it would be implemented. Uh, but I love the idea, especially, you know, the way that the pink petals work in terms of their directionality, like which way you face changes the way that the pattern goes. Now with this lattice work, you probably want it to be more uniform so that you could tile and have it be the same as you go along. Um, but I, I really, really like the idea. Um, I, I, feel like just by adding a few things to the inventory, you really just have a, a lot of combinations. The only time I think it would be tricky is if people have depth to the windows where you've got your windows, your glass blocks are in between two stone walls. And because of that, you're able to change the shape of those windows to be something with a point, something with an arch. And if you're doing this lattice work that then you can't put that where there's stairs or slabs on the outside walls. So yeah. it, it would be, it would be limited. Like you'd have to have specifically square windows for this to work the right way. Um, or add another layer and have like the outside have some shaped depth, but then the actual window pane still be flat. So there are some limitations there. Um, it would be very cool depending on how it would work. If you could um, lay it down on top of things or if it would exist on its own, you know, like if you could lay a, a string down and put this on top of the string, then you could have a very thin walkway depending on what you want to do. Like there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, a, a perfectly reasonable suggestion. I just don't know if it's the, the direction the game developers want to take it aesthetically, mm. but I, mm -hmm. I, I think it it's it's a cool idea and very much in keeping with like design aesthetics that people enjoy from real life so yeah I, I have no real argument against it i have no objections I, I i agree that there are some cases where you'd be forced into building your window a certain shape unless it functioned like let's say you know a um like a painting or an item frame where you can kind of have it intersect the block space with other stuff provided that stuff doesn't connect directly to the face you're trying to attach it to and so, yeah, maybe it would work. I imagine it working a little bit closer to something like Signs, where it's got to be attached to that face and pops off if the supporting block isn't there and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, like there's there's a few different ways you could do it. It just remains to be seen whether it's, uh, you know, the, the right sort of addition for the future of Minecraft. Either way, uh, that is where we're going to leave things for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you all so much for your emails. Some really great emails, obviously coming in inspired by Trial Chambers, but looking beyond those as well. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community. Pledging at any of the paid tiers will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live when we record it in Discord every week. And our monthly Minecraft audio hangout once again is coming up this coming Saturday where we'll be talking to our patrons about what they've all been doing 
in Minecraft this month. We recognize that it's a holiday weekend in the States, so it may not be everybody able to attend, but hopefully we'll still have a decent attendance and people will have lots of fun screenshots to share. We currently have 332 patrons, which is up five from last week. So thank you to the five of you for jumping on board. And special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons, Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, Mindtrip Media, Party Voyager, and Yitz. Thank you all for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just tell a friend about The Spawn Chunks and that they can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Even a comment on YouTube is welcome. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked in the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That is where you can find the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. Stay tuned on YouTube for potentially some YouTube shorts, which will be short clips from the podcast. I'm saying this here to force myself into making them so people could hold me accountable because I've been planning on doing this for a little while, but just haven't gotten around to uploading those clips quite yet. Uh, so stay tuned for those. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to find more of me, uh, my name is Johnny. Online I go by Pixelriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where there are also YouTube shorts, along with the Minecraft Survival Guide, which is currently in its third season. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series and i'm the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through quickly searching for it on youtube aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online everything that i'm doing online can be linked through joelduggan.com that includes a link to the citadel cafe my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment coming up on the holidays which means the citadel cafe holiday roundtable is coming your way so stay tuned for that my name is Joel Duggan on social media. Very easy to find. Joel Duggan on Twitch. And of course, I stream Thursday through Sunday for uh, updating the Citadel and trying to finish West Hill. I have been playing a lot of Satisfactory lately since that game updated this past week. So look for extra streams. And currently Thursday is my Satisfactory day. I've adjusted my Twitch schedule. So uh, good times coming into the holidays. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and we have the right to a fair trial.